0: Welcome back to the Yellow Box Podcast. This week we are joined by community lead pastor Dave Ferguson as we kick off our series, Loved Us. For more information, please visit us at www.communitychristian.org. Remember, you can always find us at the Yellow Box on Sundays at 9.30 a.m., 11.15 a.m., and 5 p.m. We hope to see you there. As long as you love me. That feels good, doesn't it? It sounds good. But let me, let me ask you this, though. What is, what is love? What, is this word, what does love actually mean? Because to me, sometimes love gets confusing. Like, like, on the one hand, I mean, I love, I love. I have friends, and I've said it this last week, I love, I, I love my friends. But I also, I also, I really, really, really love ice cream. <laughs> right? I love my kids. Oh, man, I talked to them yesterday. I love, love, love my kids. But I I also love to watch Office reruns on Netflix. I love my parents. I'm telling you, they're a couple of the best people in the whole wide world. I love, love my parents. But I also loved it this morning when I got up and I had great water pressure in the shower. Right? This word love, it kind of gets thrown around a lot, doesn't it? So what does it actually mean to love? Well, we thought we'd get a little help trying to define it. Here we go. You really want to know what love is? Yeah. Yes, tell us. More than anything in the world, Ron. Well, it's really quite simple. You have bewitched me, body and soul, and I love, I love, I love you. I love you. I know. I'm in love. I'm having a relationship with my pizza. I love you. <laughs> so I stroke it, and I pet it, and I massage it. Yeah, I love it. I love carpet. I love desk. Brick, are you just looking at things in the office and saying that you love them? We both love soup and uh, we love the outdoors. Uh, We love snow peas (laughs) and uh, talking and not talking. I love the smell of napalm in the morning One, two, three, four, I love the Marine Corps. I love it when a plan comes together I love this game Love your suit I love parties I love this house Actually, I, I love homeschool Me too, adore, totally I love lamp <laughs> Do you really love the lamp or are you just saying it because you saw it? I love lamp. I love lamp. <laughs> All right, so let's, let's wrestle with this a little bit. What does love actually mean? What does this word love actually mean? Well, it, it kind of depends on who you ask. And in, in our contemporary, post enlightenment, Western world, okay, here's how we now define love. It, it comes comes to this: an intense feeling of deep affection. An intense feeling of deep affection. Now, our culture, we, when, we have, when we think about love, we think about it as an emotion. We think about it as an experience. We think about it as a feeling. And actually, before you kind of push back on this, actually, physiologically, this makes sense. It's actually pretty understandable. Brain researchers will tell you that there's a neurochemical in our brain called dopamine. And whenever we experience something that we enjoy... This could be anything from from sex to chocolate to a Facebook notification. You get a like. You get a shot of dopamine. And we kind of get conditioned, almost like Pavlovian dogs. We get conditioned. that, that, That love is this kind of emotional encounter, this emotional experience, and we kind of expect that to happen. Now, before we push back too much, God meant for us to experience and to enjoy all of those things. But the problem occurs when we begin to narrow our definition to specific types of experiences. We're good and happy as long as we continue to get the rush, right? We're good and happy as long as we continue to get the rush. And then a friend that we thought would always be there for us lets us down. We have a coworker who, who kind of promised to have our back, but suddenly they're nowhere to be found. Or we have a spouse who promised to have and to hold to love and to cherish until death do us part. And it doesn't feel so loving and cherishing. And so what happens is we get confused. We start to struggle. We go like, hold on, this doesn't feel. This doesn't feel like I'm in condition to make it feel. It feels like the love is gone, doesn't it? And we start humming, you know. You've lost that love and feeling. Help me out. You've lost that love. and You better help me out. Because we're what? gone, gone. There you go, nicely done. I thought maybe you'd do that. So what do we do? What do we do? Seriously, what do we do when the honeymoon's over? What do we do when the warm, fuzzy feelings are faded? How do we actually love one another? And I'll tell you what, in this series, I am really excited about this series, we wanna get one thing really crystal clear. And here it is. We were never meant to completely define just love, okay, as a dopamine rush. We were never meant to define love just as a Hallmark card. We were never meant to think of love as only an emotional experience, Yes, it is a feeling. Yes, it is sometimes the pitter-patter of the heart. It can be that, but it's also much, 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 much more. Now, here's where I want to go with this thing. I want to go to 1 John. In 1 John, chapter 4, verses 8, one of Jesus' closest friends, he defines love this way. Just in three simple words, he says, God is love. Now, I'm telling you, that's only three words, but I'm telling you, this, this is weighty, weighty, weighty theological stuff. And you, you need to grab a hold of this right at the outset weighty theological stuff that that could actually change your everyday life. Because here's what he is not saying. What he's not saying here is that God likes to love. Not saying that. He's also not saying here that God knows a thing or two about love. He's also not saying that God knows how to point you in the right direction of love. He's saying, no, God is love. So let me just ask you, you respond back. If you want to know what love looks like, where should you look? Where? You look to God. Now, here's what happens. God decided to make it really easy on us. He came up close and personal in the person of Jesus. He comes to earth and says, here I am. Here's what love looks like. And as we look at Jesus, we discover what love looks like. And what we discover, we discover this powerful thing that love does. That love is active. That love is intentional regardless of the feelings. That, that love is actually a sacred kind of movement in the direction of someone else. That love does. So here's what we're going to do. I'm telling you, I would encourage you to be here for the next four weeks. <clears throat> if you're a parent, this will make your, your parenting better. If you are married, this will make your marriage better. If you're dating, I'm telling you, this will dramatically improve your dating life. If you have friends and you want your friendships to be the best they can be, it will help you. In a lot of different ways, we're going to look at Jesus' life and how we interact in his relationships and how we express how love does. Now, this morning, here's where we want to go specifically. We want to discover what Jesus taught us, and that is this, love speaks. Say it after me, love speaks. Love speaks. Okay, did you know this? Did you know this? The average American will, uh, will have at least 30 different conversations every day. Out of your mouth will come about 30,000 words every day. You spend about 30% of your waking time talking. Now, now, to kind of give it a little perspective, in one year, in one year, your, um, your conversations, let me see how many pages we got here. Okay. In one year, your conversation, this is 800 page book, your conversations could fill up 66 of these. Your words, okay, think about this. Your words will fill up 66 of these bad boys. Right here. And every word that you spoke is recorded somewhere. And if we were to actually think about this, read the words that you've spoken, what would the words say? What were the stories that would be told? How would you be speaking? And think about this too. Okay, like for example, maybe um, we pull a few off here. Um, I don't know, I'll just grab one. Let's grab a few here. Let's say this word, it says rework, let's say, let's say for some of you, maybe, maybe this is, um, this book here, this is the book that you wrote about gossip, all right? This is the book you wrote about gossip. Let me just ask you, how would, you know, we open up the book of gossip that you wrote here, how would we just read a few words? Well, that, that'd be okay, right? Mm-hmm. Not so much, right? Or sir, here, let me ask you this, this is the book that you wrote about your in-laws. <laughs> There's a whole three sections here on your mother-in-law. Why don't we just kind of peruse a few and his shit? You know, right there? Or, or there, how about this one here? Uh, here's one. This would be a fun one. How about if this is the war? This is, this, was, uh, this is your book of traffic. Everything you've ever said in traffic right here. Yeah? I've never told you guys the story about I had an intern one time that flipped me off on Washington. I won't, Crazy story. I won't tell you, but I'll tell you what. It's in his book. It's in his book. It's got an E on it for explicit. Okay? We all got these books, okay? We got books like this with the words that we've, we've, uh, we've spoken. And I kind of wonder too, what if we actually went through and we read these out loud? What do we actually say? What are we saying if we went back and read the book that we wrote to our kids? What if we read the book we wrote to our friends and our neighbors and our coworkers? Does love speak? Does love speak? Here's what I want to do. There's a great verse Where Paul talks about this, he challenges, he says, here's here's how you need to to leverage your words for love, to be intentional, to have action. He says this in Ephesians 4, 29, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what's helpful for building others up according to, here's the important part, their needs. Now, for a long time, I always kind of focused on this first part, what not to do. Don't let unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, right? So I wouldn't screw up my book of traffic, (laughs) But I think maybe more important now is actually the second part that says here's what ought to come out of your mouth what is helpful for building others up according to their needs according to their needs. And if we begin to look at the life of Jesus we see how intentional he was because he showed us what love is like because he's God, right? If we actually pick up the very first book about Jesus it's the book called Matthew chapter 16. Simon and uh, several other disciples, they've been with Jesus for now. They've seen him perform miracles. They've seen him teach, uh, listened to him teach. They've traveled with him uh, around. And so Jesus drops this question on all of them and says, who do you think I am? Well, Simon jumps right in and he, he says this. He said, oh, you're the Messiah, the son of the living God. And, and he, answer, he answered rightly. You're the Messiah, the the, 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 son, of the, the son of the living God. Because Simon knows enough about Jesus at this point that he has come to usher in something brand new. That he showed up to usher in something beautiful, this movement of love through the church. But he was not prepared, I don't think, for what Jesus was about to say next. And here's what, how Jesus responds. He says, oh man, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You do not learn this from any human being. So I now say to you, Peter which means rock, upon this rock I'm going to build my church and the powers of hell, that they even that will not conquer it. Now I want you to kind of look a little closer to what's happening here. Okay, what's happening here? Jesus uses his words to give a brand new vision for this young man's life. Now understand up to this point, this guy Simon who he's talking to, he's been kind of impulsive, the guy who's always putting his foot in his mouth, he overreacts, But Jesus says, no, you are a rock. If there was a soundtrack, it'd start to go like this. Dun, 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 dun. dun. And I'm going to use you to build my church. And guess what? This movement of love that's called a church, you're going to lead this thing. And so suddenly Jesus speaks into Simon's life and sees something inside of him that Peter, he's going to be called, doesn't even see himself and he gives him this new nickname, Rocky. Da-da-da, da-da-da, right? That's how he's feeling. I mean, this is, this is a huge, I mean, life-altering experience for Peter, because Jesus is intentional about using his words. I mean, we now know him as like some of a St Peter, right? And from that day on, I think Peter looked back on that. he drew strength from that moment, and he stepped in this leadership role in the church. But it doesn't just stop there. Jesus not only offers encouraging words, but look at how he balances. Look how he uses words. He leverages words. He also does, uses challenging words. Just a couple of verses later, look what happens here. Jesus, he goes to the disciples. He wants to make clear to them what's going to happen next. And he says, here's what's going to happen next. I'm going to go to Jerusalem. Gonna, I'm going to have to suffer at the hands of religious leaders. In fact, I'm even going to be killed. But then on the third day, I'm going to be raised up alive. He's telling them, here's what's coming next. Peter, maybe still got that kind of adrenaline rush from what had happened just a few verses back. And he jumps in and he says, "No, no, no, impossible. No, Jesus, no, impossible. That will never be." And actually, if, if you lived in, in back then in, the, in 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 eastern ancient times for a pupil, which Peter, okay, Simon was, to Jesus, this would have been unthinkable for him to kind of rebuke the teacher. But again, he he does this. Now Peter's thinking, "Okay, hold on. If we're going to if we're going to uh, Start a movement, it's gonna be a military movement. That means we're gonna conquer Rome, we're gonna take over Rome, and Jesus is gonna be king. Now, he, Jesus balances He's got big plans for Peter, yes, but he sees that Peter still doesn't get it. He doesn't get it. So look what happens next. Jesus doesn't swerve. He says, hey, Peter, get out of the way. Okay, Satan, you get lost. You have no idea, Peter, how God's gonna work. And so because Peter didn't get it, Jesus, hear this in love, he loved him enough He loved him enough to speak hard words to him that were there according to his needs. Back to what Paul said, according to his needs. So what you have there in that that brief conversation between Simon and Jesus, you have him building him up and giving a new vision for his life, but also rebuking, saying, no, 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 you don't get this part. You can do better. Okay, here's where I wanna go. If If you're gonna get anything out of our time together, here's where I need you to do some work. I want you to begin to think right now, who are the people that God has intentionally put in your life, your sphere of influence? Start thinking about your circle of relationship, the closest circle of relationships, the people you speak to the most. Might be at school, might be at work, might be in your neighborhood, might be right in your home. And I want you to begin to think right now, give me a little nod if you're with me, I want you to start thinking about what are the words that they need to hear. Give me a little nod if you're with me. You with me? What are the words that they need to hear? Let me give you a few suggestions. Here's the first thing. I think some of those folks in your sphere of influence, in your circle, they need to hear empowering words. I'm telling you, they need to hear empowering words. There may be nothing as impacting as you looking someone else in the eye and you go like, you know what? I believe in you. Don't undersell this. You looking at someone else and say, no, you know what? I think you can do this. I see this in you. I'm telling you, particularly those of you that are parents, those of you that are teachers and coaches that are with us here. I'm telling you, you, that is so powerful. At at Community, we work with an organization called Compassion International. As a community, we, we sponsor more than 650 kids from the poorest countries of the world to make sure they get fed, to make sure they have an education, make sure they have a great school to go to. There's a guy named Wes Stafford who was the former CEO And some of us around the community know him, and he tells us an amazing story from when he was 14 years old. His family had just arrived in the U.S. from Africa. That had been the only home he'd ever known. And while he was in Africa, he he tells about this, I mean, and it's heartbreaking. He watched most of his childhood friends, many of them anyway, die due to measles, malaria, smallpox, and even hunger. And he, he, he he said, I can't remember how many nights... I went to sleep, cried myself to sleep because I had to bury a childhood buddy or I was a part of that. So he's 14 years old. He arrives in New York City. He's totally lost in, the, in, this, in this foreign place. He's come from this little African village. Now he's in the largest, one of the most intimidating metropolises in the world and he's feeling kind of shell-shocked as a 14-year-old kid. You feeling that? Here's what he tells what happened next. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna read, you, read in his own words. <clears throat> he says, we were driving, a man was driving us to church, a church service, one of those first days there. My father was in the passenger seat. I sat alone in the back. The driver glanced my way and asked a familiar question. He says, so Wesley, what do you want to be when you grow up? After a long, awkward pause, my father came to my rescue. He said, you know, I've been watching Wesley for a long time. He's seen a lot of pain and a lot of suffering. But this kid... He's got a big heart. And he loves helping people who are hurting. Stafford goes on, and he says, I remember thinking in that moment, really? Is that who I am? Is that what matters most to me? And it was. He said, that was the end of the conversation, but not the end of that thought. He said, in fact, that was the beginning for me. In that moment, the mission and vision for my life was completely changed. And suddenly much of the hurt that I'd experienced and much of the loss that I'd seen suddenly made sense. And now my life's work in that moment was launched. launched. So Stafford goes on to become the CEO of Compassion International, the world's largest Christian child development organization. And under his leadership, they went from sponsoring 180,000 kids to more than a million children in the poorest countries, 26 countries around the world. Is that awesome? And think... But now, here you go. Listen to me. Those of you that are friends, those of you that are parents, okay, those of you that are coaches and teachers, think about empowering words. I believe in you. You can do this. No, no, no. I see this in you. There's some other fo- other kind of words you may be here. These, these are encouraging words. Encouraging words. And, and the word encourage just means to give somebody else courage. Your words. Don't underestimate them. Have the power to give somebody else courage. They do. You're going to be okay. You tell them that. Hey, we're going to get through this. You tell them that. You're not alone. I'll be here. And now, oftentimes what happens when people are going through tough stuff, because we feel a certain amount of pressure, we kind of want to fix it for them. So we want to recommend a a book or a a Bible verse or or here's the reason why it happened. Let me caution you though. I remember one guy talking about his experience going through some tough stuff and it was a tragic loss, a tragic loss of a loved one. And here's what he said. He said, "You know what? I just wanted people with all their suggestions, all their reasons why to go away." He said, and "Then one day a particular friend came in and all he said to me was, I'll go through this with you." He put his arm around me and he said, I never wanted that friend to leave. I never wanted that friend to leave. There are times when people only need a few words and they need your presence. And I'll tell you what, if they're the right words, like, hey, you're gonna be okay. Whatever it is you're going through, we're gonna get you through it. You're not alone. I'm telling you, those are the words. Think about the people in your sphere of influence who need this right now. that give courage. They give courage. You have the ability to give courage to somebody else. So oh, there's, there's empowering words, there's encouraging words. But let me give you one more, too. There's also what, I, what we call exhorting words. You know what that means, exhort? Exhort is kind of like to warn. It's it, In some ways, it's to kind of say, you know what? You, you, you can do better. You can do better. Uh, it was my senior year in an undergrad. And um, probably like most people who were 22, I thought I was all that. And probably a little more. And I remember I was sitting in the back, right back there, I'm going to point at somebody right back there in the chapel at Lincoln Christian College. It was during a chapel service. I was totally not paying attention. I was just jacking around, yucking up with a few of my friends, wishing this thing would be over. You would have been so proud of your pastor. (laughs) So chapel comes to an end. I stand up and I feel this hand on my shoulder. It's Professor Enos Dowling. And he's even older than that name sounds. He was, actually, he was actually a church history professor. And, and he was, this guy was so old, he had lived most of church history. In fact, he actually, no, no I don't know I can this up. He actually did. He, he helped found the school that I was now attending. And so I turn around and I see Dr. Dowling there. And I hear his voice say, he's got his hand on my shoulder still, okay? Scrawny little dude. He says, Dave, I was so disappointed in your behavior today. I know, it's so bad. <laughs> and then he says this. I think you can do better. And he just walks away. Uh, have you ever had, it, ever had that happen? Seriously, I just wish he would have just punched me in the face. Just punched me in the face. That would have felt better, right? That would have felt better. So I'm going to my next class, and I'm trying to rationalize how I wasn't that wrong, and he's making too big a deal out of it, and all that kind of stuff. And I, I can't get around it. So finally, I just said, okay, i got to go apologize to him. i got to go apologize so I left the cafeteria. I went up to his over to the office building where he is. He's on the second floor. I knock on his door, of his office, and I hear that that, that 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 little voice, that little man, that old man, saint of a man, saint of a man. He said, "Come on in." And as I as I walk in, I walk in. I start. I don't even get time to even get my apology. I said, "Dr. Dowling, I just want to say." And before I can even get that out, he jumps to his feet he runs across the room and he wraps his skinny little arms around me and he says, I knew you'd come and see me. I knew you'd come and see me. (laughs) And I'll tell you what, it was like grace. That's grace right there. Someone who cares enough to say, no, you can do better and still accept you and go like, ah, yes, I love you. Who needs to hear some words of exhortation maybe from you? Those are hard to do too. Hard to hear from you. No, you you can do better. Hear me on this people, okay? Love does, and love speaks. love speaks. let's just don't, let's just don't come to church now and kind of like, just kind of take it all in. I want you to go out and I want you to do something of this because love does. Who do you need to speak words of love to this week? Come on, I, I, think about this. Who in your life, okay? do you need to love with your words? out loud, men? <laughs> In the last 25 minutes, I have to believe there's been one or two, maybe three people that have kind of come to mind. And maybe it's somebody close to you. And you know they got big aspirations or big dreams, or so they got real talents hidden in them. And what they need to have happen, and they might be the people or the kids that are gonna change the world. They need you just looking and go like, no, you can do this. I believe in you, I see it in you. That's a game changer, people. There's people that are close to you that they are going through the toughest time of their life and you have the ability to actually take some of yours and just give them courage it only takes a few words just put your arm around them and say whatever it is we're going to go through this together will you do that? and you know what the hardest one is there's you got know, some folks near you they're, they need to be going this way and they're kind of headed this way and you need to tap them on the shoulder and with all the courage you must say hey you know what you can do better you can do better. And never forget this. You know what? Every day, every day, we are we are we're filling up volumes with our words. Parents, you know what this is? This this we'll just say what this is. This is the words that you're going to speak this year to your kids. What are you writing? Cuz they're reading it back over and over and over again. What what are the words, okay? Spouses that, 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 you're, that, that you've said to your husband or your wife this last year, what's in here? What are the things, okay? That you, what are the words that you're writing to your friends? The people that you cherish the most. Here, here's the challenge love does, so love, and love speaks. Let's fill these volumes, every one of them, every day, with words that are helpful to building up others according to their needs. The God who is love took on flesh and he showed us how to love. He showed us how to love in Jesus and he turns around and says, okay, now follow me. Come on, follow me, imitate me. And one of the ways you're gonna imitate me is love speaks. Love speaks. Love speaks. Let's pray. Father God, you didn't just make love this abstract idea, but you came up close and personal, loved us, and then showed us how to love one another. I want us to say thank you so much for that. You are such a good, 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 good God. And so, Lord, as we follow you and we learn from you, help us to do the same. Same with the folks around us. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.